All right. Welcome, everyone, to another one of our weekly Saturday morning updates. Not much has gone on this week, right? Just a few layoffs, just a few collapse of exchanges. No big deal. So we got a lot to cover today. We got a lot to unpack as to how this is going to impact the market. But there are some silver linings that you will evidently see. So depending on your own situation and where you are at, and that is what is very critical about these changes and potential opportunities. Let's talk about the headline articles of the week. Meta and Salesforce layoffs this week. Tech scale too quickly and now the Bay Area is paying the price. We're gonna talk about that. Elon Musk orders Twitter employees back to the office. So if you don't come back to the office, Twitter employees, you can assume that as a resignation on your end. And this was no different than when Tesla had this. Crypto markets turmoil over FTX bankruptcy. A lot of shenanigans happened there. So some thoughts there. And mortgage rates fall sharply to under 7% after inflation eases. We got a lot to cover. So let's let's start talking about it. And we're going to start off with the first one, which is mostly what well, people will be impacted, at least in the Bay Area economy. Meta and Salesforce layoffs. Two charts show how brutal it's gotten for big tech. The bloodletting in big tech after a year of slowing sales and profits, along with de facto valuations, resets at the hands of an aggressive Federal Reserve. So Meta this week, sadly, um, cut 13 percent of its workforce as it looks to redirect resources to Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse project and appease angry shareholders. Meta stock, though, popped 8 percent on the news, pairing the 69 percent year to date decline. So it's been a really interesting story. Right. On one end. The company of Meta is still actually pr printing a lot of money, at least in the core businesses that it's at. But because of valuations due to higher rates, but also because of the big money burning from the metaverse world and industry, and that's complete new arena that's not proven, investors aren't too happy or thrilled about it. At the same time, Meta has to have make these adjustments to be able to right the ship to at least slow down on spending. But he's still making that huge bet in this world, metaverse world, that is very unproven. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Now, it's been a, obviously a big layoff because it's 11,000 employees that got cut. Now, make no mistake, it's not 11,000 employees in the Bay Area. That's on a global basis in terms of their workforce reduction. And But at the same time, he did mention that there's no more freezing hirings but they will likely try to resume after Q1 because they want to continue to reinvest people into that metaverse world. Now, what's happening here is something to be mindful of. I, I talked to many of my friends and clients that are in meta. A lot, there, there could be more coming because some people are on the fence right now in terms of they need to switch to and find another team. So the 13% was an was a was a immediate workforce reduction, but there's going to be a, quite a bit more that are on the fence that may either leave themselves because they don't want to be at the company or they're on the fence. They need to find another team that is willing to take them on. So those are very important things when you're when you're dealing with when you're at Meta. That being said, Meta has so many people. Like, Take a look at this. This is how much Meta had actually grew in the last two, two to three years. They grew their headcount in terms of hiring by 60% in the last two, three years. So the fact is they grew crazy amounts during this time. And so I think that's something people have to just be mindful of in terms of how much do they actually hire and grow relative to how much are they laying off? 
right? And that's why you see a lot of these layoffs happening now is because they actually overgrew and grew too quickly, but they still are much bigger companies than they were before. And here's several different ones, right? You have Twilio. Twilio had a layoff recently too, but look how much they have grown. They had grown over 160% in the last two, three years. So a reduction of 15%, you think that's a lot when you have this kind of scale? Look at Stripe, same thing, right? They had a reduction about 16, 17% this week, uh, the last two weeks too, but they grew over 160% in the last couple of years. Snap, no different. Now, Open Door is, is a different company. They're going to go through a, a lot more distress. That's a different matter. Um, we'll talk about that later. Salesforce, look at this. They, as an enterprise, a large enterprise sales company, they grew by 60%. And so when they did a layoff of what, 5%, it's still a, nothing compared to how much they actually brought in. Meta, same thing. Look at this. They increased their workforce. And Meta was a big company already by 60% in the last couple of years. And now they had a job cut of 13%. Twitter is a very different one. Twitter and Lyft will be completely different, right? Twitter, if it wasn't for Elon Musk cutting 50% of the staff, it would have been like they overgrown for what it is. That's why you see their stock performance has not done well. And quite frankly, most of their earnings and opportunities has just been pretty relaxed. It was really chill if you're a Twitter employee. So a lot of people, a lot of employees just like to hang out there. Um, but now that they actually have to work hard, uh, they may be leaving in, in more numbers. And, and you may have seen the news this week that uh, Twitter, uh, Musk wants Twitter employees to get into the office or that's considered a forced recognition, resignation. At the same time, they're having a lot of problems altogether because they have advertising drops. Uh, they have employee morale like really, really bad and really low. It's a lot different when you are a founder and CEO that has built the company from the ground up. So you establish culture. And as we're seeing, is it, is it possible and is it simple for an outside person to be able to take it over and have its impact and run it very lean? And that's going to be something we will see over time. And then certainly Lyft. Lyft didn't actually hire much. Then again, as you can imagine, during Lyft, during COVID time, it was very difficult for them anyways. Right. So they actually laid people off during the workforce, during during those times, because there's a lot less people wanting to share rides. Right. There's like way less travel. And so it makes sense. And so it makes sense further for more layoffs, even though they didn't hire any more of the last couple of years because of valuations and because they need to keep more of their capital and money. So really interesting to see seeing these things. Now, the question is, is there anything else coming around the corner? We see freezes happening. So you see like Amazon has, fr has froze hiring. Uh, Apple has froze hiring. Um, uh, Microsoft has generally froze hiring, but they're still actually hiring in different in, uh, sectors that they're still doing well in, mainly like Azure and their cloud computing space. So it's all case by case there. But to be fair, there's also a lot of other companies that are still hiring and doing well. And we take a look at ByteDance and TikTok. They're still expanding like crazy because they're eating Meta's lunch and even quite frankly, some of YouTube's lunch in that regards. You also have companies like... Um, there are, there's many other companies that are still hiring. So while these are big headline attention grabbing ones, at the same time, as you can evidently see, they were really over hiring because money was very cheap at that time and they didn't really have to care about profits. But as you can see what happens when interest rates rise and money now is important again, it's not like money is not important. 
the value of the money now is much more important than the future. And that's why there's all these different reassessings that's happening on the valuation side of things. So you can see the price to earnings ratio is changing, but also companies have to be scaling back because they're not going to be able to grow as fast as they need to have more of that capital to be able to do other things. But make no mistake, they're not like losing money. They're still earning a lot of money. But because of all those different things that I brought up, that is going to certainly impact. And it will certainly impact things like um, just all the hirings that have been going on for many people. Now, what's pretty wild is there's many people that I know personally, even some of you that are watching, that have worked two full-time jobs, full-time jobs at a big tech company and another startup. And they're working like 20 hours a week of each and they're getting paid double the amount. So a lot of the things are going to ch change as my bet is that most people will need to be returning back to the office much sooner than later. And why is that? It's because think about this. If you were an employee and unless you're an exceptional employee, for the most part, you were able to get by with remote work and flex work because the employer knew that you had a lot of options to potentially leave for another company, right? So there's a, there's a big, big separation right now that's already happening. The employees, of course, yeah, you would love to stay at work from home. Are you as productive at home? Some you'll argue yes, but many, to be fair, are is probably no, because working at home has a lot of distractions and is not for everybody. But you may all, you may psychologically think that you're doing better. From a company's perspective, they know a lot of people have been playing these shenanigans of working double jobs, working triple jobs, doing real estate on the side. And come on, how many of you are like real estate agents on the side now, getting some side hustles and things for things like that? So they know that this has been going on, but they couldn't do anything about it. Because if they threatened you of like, you need to go back to the office, you're like, nah, I'll quit. I would, uh, I'll just, I'll just not work here. I'm going to find another job because there's five other companies that are hiring and they're going to pay me more money. Well, if things are different now and it's not that easy to find another job, where does the power go? It goes back to the employers. And so what happens is that the employers will, combination of things, all those perks that you had in the office are also being cut. There's a whole lot less business travel that's happening across the board. Your Christmas parties this, this winter time is going to be very different. It's not going to be as grand as it was before. But they're also going to want you back in the office and probably want you to work more hours than before. Right. Imagine if they cut all these people. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean all that work is gone. It likely means you're going to be picking up someone else's tasks. Right. So the reality is more people will be doing more than before. And we'll see what happens. Like the next thing that we haven't seen in a long, long time is will there actually be a reduction in salary? Leave in the comments below. Do you, do you think there's going to be a reduction in salary that's going to be occurring for many of these companies? Because we have not seen that since the dot-com days, right? It's been a steady progression up, up and above. But as we do cuts, we'll see what happens. We'll see how the talent war continues to play out, if it does still play out. So that's the really interesting part, and that's the thing that, that takes time to unfold. We're going to talk about how this impacts the real estate market in a little bit, but I, I obviously am not oblivious to these things. But I want to share like what is actually happening. We're going to see a lot more people go back to the office. We're probably going to see a lot more uh, stricter just work policies. You can see Elon Musk. For all those people at Twitter, there were this remote. They were one of the first to go fully remote. 
they're not going remote no more. You're going to get back in the office five days a week or otherwise you're fired. Like it's, it's that simple. And then for those Twitter employees, as I mentioned, they got to think about, uh, did they already move somewhere else? Um, number one, number two, can they find another role, another job? Uh, number three, do they like the, the new atmosphere that, um, that Elon Musk is enforcing because keep it, keep this in mind. There is no, uh, the, because it's now a private company, they don't have the upside of the equity at this stage unless they decide to go public in the future. So that they got a lot of problems and a lot of challenges. And Elon Musk said there's a chance that Twitter may even go bankrupt. It's that dire uh, for them. So they got to really focus and, and get things done. Otherwise, they're in a pretty bad situation. Now, talk about bankruptcy. Talk about bankruptcy. FTX. What in the world happened with FTX? This crypto exchange. This crypto exchange company, FTX, filed for U.S. bankruptcy on Friday. And SBF stepped down as CEO after a liquidity crisis that has prompted intervention from regulators all around the world. So this is what's crazy and what's very difficult with crypto, right? So for all those crypto bulls, there is a lot of positive things about crypto, right? About all the opportunities, about the future. The future is here. The future is now. We're going to be bearing everything through crypto. We're going to do everything via blockchain. And 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 there's no need for title companies because blockchain is going to because it's going to democratize everything and everything's going to be on this chain and everything's going to be perfect. And uh, we can cut all these middlemen out and it's just going to be so much better for consumers. What was that story before? How many times have you heard that story? And where is that story now, crypto bulls? Right? Because the, the challenge of an unregulated industry, as you can see, is there are a lot of core uses and and make no mistake, the industry will likely keep going on. But this is probably just the beginning because there's so many shenanigans that happen in good things that are unregulated. Right. I mean, think about this. The industry itself grows, but did it grow as as much as it should have grown? Well, probably it did. If you had all these like bad actors that have played in or a lot of hedge funds that are able to pump and dump either companies or bail people out and different things like that. And that's the issue that has been going on with this company. It's just significant amount of just potential fraud that's happening in this industry as to how does it blow up? Because think about this. If you were like a company like Coinbase, right, and you are, you are a publicly traded company, you're a U.S.-based company, there's regulations and there's different things of what you need to do to be audited and to have a, a formal process. But the issue with that for a lot of exchanges is that it's a lot of hurdles to go through. Because it's a lot of hurdles, and because the general market demand was so high, companies like a uh, FTX, you have um, many, many other exchanges. A lot of them are actually offshore somewhere else because it's, it's just a lot easier and unregulated to do different things in these other markets. Now, the issue of that is because at that time, a lot of consumers and most consumers weren't aware of this because things were just crazy red hot. Everybody was just chasing the hottest, hottest token or the hottest options. People went to those markets. They still invested their money there. And they just assumed that it was all the exchanges were the same. Maybe this exchange gave you a better like uh, earning redemption thing. There's a lot of staking things. There's so much like financial instruments there that said, wait a second, I can leave my money at this at this exchange, but I can earn 6% interest, 7% interest in a 0% interest environment back in the day. Like a lot of that sounded like really too good to be true. And generally when you do 
see things like that, many of the things are too good to be true. And so what happened? As things started unfolding, who knows if it was fraud from the beginning or things just got worse and worse over time because there were a cascading effect. Or it was also just greed. Like now we're, we're hearing a lot of things that FTX is much more like an Enron scandal than a Lehman Brothers scandal. Well, not even scandal, Lehman Brothers bankruptcy, right? Because what happened at Enron and what happened in this case? The exchange makes money because they're the market mayor. They're making trades and transactions. So if you were a Coinbase, you're a Fidelity, you're a Scott Trade, you're an E-Trade, you're whatever these brokerages, that's a that's an easy money-making machine, right? Because you're just doing a, a pure transaction. So you're going to be making that amount each time. So that's a decent business. It's not a huge business, right? I mean, look at the size of Coinbase. They're, they're a big company, but there's only so many exchanges out there. So they can make a, a decent amount of money. Well, then you're asking, how did this guy start bailing out all these other companies? How did they make these billion-dollar donations to the Democratic Party? How did all these things happen? And a lot of it is starting to unravel, and we're going to discover things each week uh, because they're going to start unpeeling the onions. Like, who else has exposure to this, right? Because of this industry of crypto, there's so much, like, uh, exposure to other, other entities, right? I mean, you saw what happened, I think, a couple of months ago with, like, with the Luna coin, like that went to like nothing. And then now you see this, which is a much bigger player that's now filed for bankruptcy. And so what happens? What happened was greed happened, right? They started, they had this exchange. It was making money. All right. They're like, all right, cool. We're making money there. Okay. Um, let's create this hedge fund or venture fund or investment vehicle so that we can make other bets on other, other coins, other, other entities and things like that. Now, the thing with hedge funds, though, is hedge funds blow up all the time. You may not hear of it, but they blow up all the time. But hedge funds can go super leveraged. That's the difference of that of that vehicle. They are many times very leveraged. They can go 2x, 3x, 4x, 5x, 10x, right, of how much they actually have in terms of their deposits. So that's a, something that can be very, very scary, right, because they're not just borrowing. They're not just using their own money. They're leveraging up money. So that they will make profits and make money if there was profits. But when things are down, they basically fold up and go bankrupt. So it's a, it's a, there's nothing wrong with that industry in that regard of like, that's a viable business model. There's a different level of risk associated with it. But what happened and what they're discovering is how does this go bankrupt? It goes bankrupt because they probably use money from the deposits of other people. And that's a giant no, right? You can't use it's no different actually than real estate. Like in real estate and you own a uh, rental property, you can't use your, your security deposit in, in terms of over the things. And it makes logical sense, right? Because what if you use all that money and then you don't have that money anymore and then they want their security deposit back because they're coming out of the rent and you don't have it anymore. So the security deposit is a similar idea. Like you cannot touch that money. And no different than this, you're not supposed to be touching your client's money. Right. The deposit, which is your client's money, unless they allow you to uh, stake it. There's and then there's different things like that that can be done. But you can't just take their money and just start like hedging and making random bets in these different companies or, or doing your own things for that. And that's what's like really unraveling. So it's going to be really interesting to see, like, what is the ripple effect of crypto? Now, for most parts, this will affect some markets. So we'll see which markets it impacts. Like the Bay Area crypto market isn't that big there's a lot of companies 
but it's not that big in terms of like user base. Now, a big crypto market is Miami. So Miami wanted to be this crypto capital of the world. It's going to be really interesting to see like what happens there. Does it actually impact housing there? Because they have been able to ride things for a long time. Or are those all people really smart and geniuses that they took advantage of the crypto market, made a ton of money, and they sold it all, and they bought valuable property like real estate? That will be the interesting part to see. Um, and, of course, all of this will play out over time. So as you can see, you may hear, oh, so much bad news, right? It's like it's just terrible news. So at the end of the day, you're going to hear two th you're going to there's going to be two different th there's always two things. You're going to hear bad news and those are bad situations. But it's also important to have a relative perspective of things, right? Make no mistake, look at the amount of growth that those companies had in terms of employee base versus a few years ago. They're still net way more. Right? People fail to understand that. They grew way too fast. It is okay to grow too fast. Right. Yes, the, the cuts hurt, but the cuts are needed for the company to continue to to thrive and do well. Now, it obviously sucks for those people that got impacted, but make no mistake, it was probably overdone to begin with. So that is important for everyone else that is still working or still has a fear of their job. I tell everybody this and I always tell people this. If you are at a company that is going through turmoil and is going through distress, you shouldn't be buying. Don't buy. What you should do, though, is you should also be cutting on all your expenses, right? You should be ready for a rainy day. So you should be cutting all expenses. It means don't live in that four to $6,000 apartment. That's just crazy. Go share a room or live in a room in, a, in the house to save that money, right? Don't just be, oh, I'm just going to not buy a house. I'm just going to be super frugal on this end, but still spend money like, like no other than before. Like figure out ways to save money and to cut your expenses if that is the game plan that you want to do. On the other end, to be fair, because of this situation that's happening, this also prevents presents opportunities for others that are still in jobs that are fine. Like make no mistake, there's still 83% or 87% of people still have Meta. That's still 80,000 plus employees. Google still has 100,000 plus employees, right? Apple still has 100,000 plus employees. Like they still have huge people and huge personnel that are still working, still getting paid well, still getting RSUs. Apple is still having a big corporate party this year. So like the reality is, yes, there's distress out there, but distress presents opportunities because a lot of people will be gravitating towards that fear and they're, they're going to be keeping that eye off the ball. Because look at this. Mortgage rates fall sharply to under 7% after inflation eases. The average rate on the 30-year fix plunged 60 basis points from 7.22% to 6.62% because the inflation print of this month was le much less than expected. And so because it's much less than expected, you saw a very big bull run in the stock market. You saw a lot of people buy back into bonds, which had lowered the yields. And so this has been a huge change. So if you're in contract, definitely talk to your lender to try to get this adjusted because this should be a pretty uh, meaningful impact. But if you're an outside buyer that's planning to buy, or was planning to always buy right now anyways, like take advantage of this, of this downturn right now. And yes, over time, there may be further decreases in rates, but... You should take advantage of something like this because this is like a very, very impactful thing. I mean, 60 basis points. 
Like, what is that worth to you? Depending on your loan size, it could easily be at least a couple hundred bucks a month. So it's a pretty substantial move. And so you see these different things happening, right? Because on one end, the whole reason of the increase of rates is to cool down inflation and make no mistake. The whole objective of that is job losses need to happen. But if you're in, in a company and you're still working and you're still doing well, and many of you are definitely doing very well, then you can use this as an opportunity to be able to buy back in or to enter in the market because that's just how how the dynamics works, right? And make no mistake, transactions are still happening. So it's not like things are static. There's still a lot of transactions happening. Good homes, as you may evidently see, are still selling each week. So it's just a way to understand, like, this is just how it works. It's unfortunate for some people that are impacted. At the other end, it presents opportunities because this is less competition. If everybody was in full employment, you had things like what we had before, which is either high inflation or a really, really competitive housing market. So those are all very, very important things to remember and uh, consider when making the move. And I suspect this winter, now if you pair with lower rates, I think we're going to have some pretty, pretty interesting opportunities that we will see here. Um, Bay Area home sales. So let's talk about a couple of other things as we wrap up. Bay Area home sales dropped to 2007 levels. So what does that mean? It means the monthly home sales have actually declined. And that's what I've been saying across the board. And why we're going to see a, quite a bit of opportunities is because the buyer demand has shrank. And I, my guess is I will continue to shrink. To be fair, though, it's shrinking in two uh, ways. It's shrinking because the buyer demand is less, but it's also sh shrinking in terms of transaction volume is less because there's also less sellers that want to put the home on the market, too. Right. And so you have these volumes that are less because also sellers are much more on the fence. Why do they want to sell something that they have with rates at under 3% or under 4%? And they have certainly a very low property tax basis due to California Proposition 13, right? So you can see like it's, it's a very tricky situation. The buyer demand is certainly less. There's make no mistake. There's less buyers out there, which means it's easier for buyers to be able to get in contract. But you still got to have the patience and the stamina because there is less homes on the market either way. And so we're going to continue to likely keep seeing this happen. Now, unless there's all those unemployment figures can actually impact sellers, which we don't know. And we don't we don't we don't know if those are all renters that will get impacted. So maybe rents will decline or if there are sellers and homeowners and then they will decline. Those are really the only situations uh, or the situations that will impact housing prices. But uh, it's too early to, to see at this stage. Now, the last things I want to bring up is at the end of the day, there are still uh, news because at the end of the day, as you can see, what's interesting is that commercial space, you may hear all this turmoil of commercial space of, oh, people are, are using their corporate offices less and uh, nobody wants to buy that. But the reality is, as you can see, a lot of entities are still making moves as we speak for corporate office space and they're buying it outright. Take a look at this. There is a Sunnyvale office. Did you know Uber had a Sunnyvale office? They had a Sunnyvale office, which is actually, this is right next to downtown uh, Sunnyvale. Uh, there was previously uh, Nokia. Yeah, was Nokia was using that space in the Sunnyvale location. They paid $193 million to acquire the Sunnyvale office campus. This was owned by JP Morgan Chase, which is wild. I mean, the bank has a lot of hard assets. They're, they're a lot more clever than we may think. 
who paid $135 million for this property in 2015. That's still a whopping about $60 million gain, right? Uh, $60 million gain for that property over the last seven years, which is a pretty good return when it comes to everybody's big complaint about the office spaces not doing well. So there is that. There's also another move. Big San Jose office building with tech tightness land local buyer. Buildings are bought for more than $90 million. Silicon Valley office market stays robust. This is the, uh, there's a lot of like activities that you continue to see through this area because a lot of these areas are interesting because there's actually a lot of uh, corporate, uh, not corporations, but a lot of office buildings here. They're probably remodeled over the last 10 years or so. Um, but there is just a lot of like buildings there that many are quite frankly, like vacant these days. So it's going to be interesting to see. They bought it. What are they going to do with it? They see another opportunity because they're actually vacant buildings. But the fact that there's buyers that have bought this for $90 million just shows like there's still a level of interest for, for, for what they think is an opportunity of that space. So as you can see, regardless of all these bad news you see, I wanted to share with you, there's still a lot of activity that continues to happen. Well, if you have any questions or anything about the Bay Area real estate market that you want to talk about separately, my comments are in the, my details are in the comments below, or you can call or text me 408-547-4590. I'm going to be out in Miami next week. So I'm going to go visit those crypto bulls, see what's going on over there. So no show next week. And I'm on a cruise the following week. So I'm going to be gone for two weeks. And at that time, I think it's Thanksgiving. So enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the next couple of weeks. Of course, I'm going to be around. So call or text me at any time. Love to go over a game plan. We can we can figure out what's the best strategy for yourself in navigating these markets, whether you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in the Bay Area or anywhere in the country. See you next time. Bye now.